absolutely ridiculous. Hello everyone, welcome to the Round the Course Bosch podcast. We're halfway through this questionable, seven days in. Uh, we have champion in Noral Shabini, our third time of asking, which means ever is Christopher Stack, B and Chris Stewart Crawford. How you doing, fellas? <laughs> Just want to say, to, to start us off, I did predict Shabini would win last week or this week. So, just get out there. Yeah, congrats. Well done. I, I did get a message from Johnny Williams after the first round, or after round two, rather, asking could he change his pick <laughs> after uh, Lisa Aiken had brought Haniel Mami to five, which was a cracker of a match. Yeah. And I also said if I got a dollar for every time I wanted to change, I'd be a wealthy man right now. So. Yeah, there was, there was quite a few good matches early on. Lisa actually in the first round had a big battle where she was two love down to Lucy, Lucy. Rommel. Yeah. And came through uh, one and five. And then went on and really probably the best match of the second round was that match you mentioned there, at least against Hanya. Yeah, ding dong. Another good one was uh, Salman, Hanya and Nelly Galise contrasting styles. And Yeah, I mean, Salman's draw was quite interesting because it was the first time she was seeded. She's up at her highest ranking of 10 in the world, but because uh, Altayev and Tesney Evans also wasn't playing, so she was actually seeded 8th. But at the same time, she had a pretty tough draw playing Mela in the first round. There's only two places behind her in the rankings. And then she won that, and then she played Run El Rabi, um, which was another tough draw. So she ended up to get to the semi finals. She beat the number 12, 13, and 14 in the world. So, um, not bad. Although she, she helpful, maybe, helpful to dodge the number two. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Which seems like a bit of an interesting story from what I've heard. Yeah, there's a, uh, a couple of interesting comments on uh, on Facebook. Uh, I think a few people were displeased. Um, I'm sure they had their reasons. I didn't read too much into it. I don't know a whole lot about what happened. Do you guys? I heard she was using the gym, the public gym in the hotel. That's Jeez. all I heard. That's a bit of an insult for opponents, like... isn't it? It's like, huh, <laughs> you didn't work me hard enough. Here I go. <laughs> Depends sound like pre-match yeah. or post-match. Yeah, just doesn't sound like it was too malicious. I think just just broke a broke a rule. Oh. Yeah. I suppose you got to be strict in the nature of uh, the COVID world, I guess. Yeah, there was there was an NBA player um, in the bubble in Orlando last spring who uh, he had the his Uber driver delivering food got lost and he had to <laughs> walk out to the parking lot to meet him, and he crossed like some imaginary line which, you know, he didn't have to leave the property or anything, but there's like a specific line they're not supposed to cross. And he had to do a 14-day quarantine for walking out into the parking lot to pick up his McDonald's or something. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, it's yeah, it, I, it, it, if they don't send a message to someone doing this, people can start breaking bigger rules that actually put the tournaments at risk. I, I get it. It just obviously stinks, right? Yeah, I suppose rules are there to be broken. Except for these ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think from a PSA's perspective, it's important to have these guidelines and rules in place because without them, the tournaments can't really happen. And then if you're going to have them, you kind of have to stick to them and follow them. And it seems like they're doing such a good job to get these tournaments on, then it probably isn't a lot to ask for players to follow the rules, even if 
sometimes they maybe don't agree. Might be it's probably tough if you're staying in a hotel and other guests in the hotel can use the gym, but you can't, even though you're a professional athlete. But yeah, that's the way it is. Um, it is. So yeah, which led us on nicely to the quarterfinals, where I think there was a, some real crackers in there. Um, all the top eight seeds apart from Nuran Gohar, who was obviously removed from the tournament, which um, opened up the spot in the quarters for Olivia Klein. But yeah, the, the quarters to me was the best round of the tournament. Yeah, four great matches. I think starting off the, uh, with Hanya and Joel King and Joel's straight line hitting on that left wall and that like lovely like the balance of her play of that like hold through the middle of the court mm-hmm. and just punch it down the line she drew Hanya forward so often and then she sort of count not count that but complement that every now and again with a little quick drop and it was just I think of beauty masterful masterful yeah control of the pace as well you can see Hanya trying to really force the pace and play fast the way she likes to yeah especially when she was down and she was trying to get herself back into the match she was really like hitting it harder, pushing right up in the tee. And no matter what she did, Joelle just was determined to play at a pace that she felt comfortable with and just played such good quality squash that made it really hard for Hanya to take the ball early when it's that tight and length and width is good. And then Hanya starts sort of forcing, maybe volleying some balls that are probably too tight and maybe better to leave. And uh, started making a few errors, which is very uncharacteristic for her. Yeah, I think, like you say, the quality of like Joel's play was just Hanya was obviously trying to impose and to force things to happen but it was often quite stretched her her weight like she was loaded onto her front foot as opposed to in between her hips in between her feet rather and it just yeah was the cause and the root for some of those uncharacteristic mistakes or some of those looser balls than she would normally play and Joel was was class yeah also too and then you also had a big match in that round between Amanda Sobe and Kimi Serm which was um, contender for one of the best matches of the tournament, I would say. Just in terms of the drama, that, that third game, Amanda saving, I think it was nine game balls to win it, 15-13, uh, 10-4 down. But the whole match overall, I thought, was really good quality squash. She's she's just looking better and better every event. And, you know, I think she's our most our most loyal listener, to be honest. She's uh, one of our... One of our most loyal supporters, so um, our most most loyal uh, guest, that's for sure. Yeah, and just always, a legend. Just good, yeah, just good to see her back. Like, look, she looks so strong on the ball, um, and and you know, it just so many weapons, so many weapons. And she was she was right when she told me I I wouldn't be able to pick on her backhand. Her backhand was looking strong, <laughs> yeah. so I might need to I might need to look for some new tactics for uh for that challenge match if I get one. But you know what was interesting? The amount of time she looked goosed, but she just kept on coming back. Or maybe that was my interpretation of the body language I was reading. Like that she looked, not goosed, but just fatigued, but still just kept coming back. Got so many second wins, third wins, fourth wins, which is a testament to obviously the old Rolls Royce, huh? See, I didn't think she looked that tired. I'm thinking back to the the tournaments just after we, we came back after lockdown, but in like September, October last year. I think it was the World Tour Finals and then the Egyptian Open. She just looked exhausted. and um, I don't know if it was something to do with her training being affected. But, but I just I thought that the pace she played at was pretty high throughout. 
but also she looked much more patient and willing to extend the rallies, especially against someone like Camille. I've watched her play Camille a lot in the past, and it's always felt like she was starting to force it as soon as the rallies got tough and physical. Yeah. She felt like she had to keep the rallies shorter, whereas against Camille this time, she looked much more comfortable. Like She's still playing very open and attacking squash, but she's not forcing it when she's in bad positions and like yeah. trying to make the rally short, which I thought was a good sign for her. And the composure then to execute on the final ball, having played, you know, a 15, 20, 25 shot rally. Yeah, picking her spots really well. Yeah. I managed to dig up some stats on Amanda. So her match against Camille was the second longest match of her career, as far as I can tell. Uh, one minute short. She played a match with Sarah Jane Perry at the Tournament of Champions in 2017 that was one minute longer. Um, but it was... It was about the fifth or sixth time she's played over an hour in her career. And I think it's only the second time she's won a match over an hour in her life. Wow. Yeah. I think on Swash TV, they said the first. It might have been her first. That's the, that's the, yeah. Stuart, I don't think you did your research that well. I mean, that is there, was a, there, was, there was a funny picture of her. And she said, when you find out this is the first match you've won over, <laughs> over a, a certain amount of length. Uh, she definitely beat. I'm going to find it. We were low in 61 minutes. I mean, I, be, I believe our stats guy over anyone else. So I trust yeah. you. C-Fax Crawford. Yeah. And then did we, did you, yeah. did you mention in the intro, Arthur, uh, that we have uh, a nice interview with Salma Hani? I did. Okay. I might, I missed that. Um, but that was, that was a great match too with, with Amanda. Um, just like, yeah, two kind of very fun squash fast furious attacking um in the semi that was a good one to watch um skipping around here chris huh you skipped around did i oh did we that's the semis after the quarter Stuart. it's the semi-final <laughs> is that is it, i think that's correct <laughs> did we miss a quarter did we miss a quarter well missed the sga and shibini match and then also salma against uh, olivia Sorry, I was uh, I was looking ahead and just about to say just how how good Sherbini looked throughout, and it's it's like so impressive how uh, how fluid and 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 effortless it looks while being close to perfect. Yeah, it's amazing for someone at that age to have achieved so much to be playing at the level that she's playing. I just. It's amazing how motivated she is and how hungry she still looks when she plays and how happy she is when she wins. Yeah, I love listening to her talk. She just she still sounds like a, a child that just loves getting on court and playing, even although she's achieved so much and she's yeah. had a lot of pressure on her shoulders from a very young age with her unprecedented success as a junior. Um, but she still just doesn't seem like it gets to her, doesn't seem like she has a weight on her shoulders. She just loves being on court and playing squash. Just as well. I mean, she's pretty good at it too, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> oh, very you know, impressive. I, th- I thought her match with uh, Sarah Jane was pretty good as well. Sarah Jane was obviously desperate to um, continue her run from the last black ball open and really push Shabini hard, but uh, in the end, she was just too good. Now we can talk about the semis, Chris. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched a little bit of the, uh, her match against Joel there and just I I just thought she like for how impressive Joel looked, um, 
I just was in my head. I was like, this is someone who's playing a full level above everyone else. Like, yeah, I think it's hard to look that smooth unless it, it, the game feels a little bit, you know, slowed down for you. And obviously credit, but it's everything. It's the way she thinks it. It's the way she, she structures her rallies. And like, the thing I like is she can play a rally where she can kind of put someone on a string a little bit. Like she'll have them under pressure from the return, the serve, but she won't put it in and she'll just kind of have that subtle hold and she'll just punch it like very almost like the way you play with a junior you're coaching and she'll just punch it back and like stretch that person all the way to the corner. And then the person will hit another weak one and they'll think she's going to, you know, roll her cross court Nick and she shows the Nick and then she just punches it to the other side. Yeah. And then other times first bad shot in the rally dead. Like it's just so she can do whatever she wants. And, and uh, I think she has so much accuracy that it always sets up the next ball and she knows where the next ball is going really, really early. Um, and so it's like fun to watch. Cause it's just, it's the way you would love to always be able to play people. It just yeah. doesn't work out that, that easily usually. And I think that variation in her play, like you say, you know, holding and showing the cross court nick and then hitting it deep, it just keeps everyone second guessing. Like I, I don't know whether to co- cover the short ball or whether to cover the aggressive ball or the or to cover the hole to the back of the court. So she creates so much space in the court, so that even when she goes for those cross court nicks, even if they're not inch perfect, it's so far away from the opponent that it just and her her attack from three quarter court this week was insane too. Like just so severe, so sh- it, like kill or drop, just stayed so short, so tight. So it's like, you know, she sometimes plays patient from areas you'd expect her to play aggressive, and then as soon as you leave a length a little bit short, she can go ultra aggressive and just slot it in. It's like you're never never settled. Good night, Vienna. Even off the back wall, when you feel like you've done a reasonable job of getting a good length, she can rip in that boost quickly. She can fire in a straight drop or kill. I, I'm struggling to think of a player who has so many options and so many variations in her attack from every part of the court, male or female. I can't think of anyone who has that variety to their game. And then complemented with ferocious uh, mindset, like mm-hmm. such a presence mentally. So gutsy as well when she has to be. Very impressive. Good on you. Good yeah. on you, Nora. <laughs> Fair play is, to Nor. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> which is why I picked her to win it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you said that already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how far can she go, fellas? You know, we've just witnessed uh, in the last few, a number of years, the last just over a decade, one of the greatest athletes of all time in Nicole David. And now we have, we've had Renee Melvalili, Laura Massaro, two legends, amazing players. And have achieved so much success. And now you have, in the midst of all that, Nora should be in here, 22, 23? Uh, no, I think she's 24 or 5 now. Oh, she's passed it then. I'll forget that. Yeah. <laughs> Career's over. Yeah. All right, she's done. <laughs> 25 and 12, 12 years on tour, according to her uh, PSA. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's good. But I do, I do think the next target is to try and start matching some of Nicole's achievements. It's probably going to take a few more years, but um, I would certainly put her above Raneem and Laura at the moment just because of what she's achieved in such a short period of time. I think um, that's fair. I mean, four, four world titles, two British Opens. I was actually, they kept making a little bit of fun. I think the 
the MC, um, Michael Absalon, who did a great job. I love listening to his interviews. He asked really knowledgeable and well-informed questions, which isn't always easy if you're not really a squash guy. Um, but he kept giving her a bit of a hard time for having never won that tournament, even though I think that was only the fourth edition of it. Um, <laughs> but I, I then went back to see like what other major titles has she not won. And the only one I could really find was the US Open. She lost in three US Open finals, but she's won pretty much every other major event in the game from Hong Kong Open, British Open, Worlds, obviously, and Windy City. Um, Has she won the Irish Open? Probably not, to be fair. And as we all know (laughs) from, I think, Vanessa's uh, career achievements, that's the highlight of any pro player's career, right? Well, it's up there. You know, I mean, the World Open has to take, you know, top top shelf there, but yeah, it's not far off, you know. Give me a second, I'll see if she's even ever played the Irish Open. Don't don't worry, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> she probably played it when she was 12. Good news, Arthur. She played it in 2012 and she couldn't even get past the quarters. <laughs> she couldn't even beat Ireland's own Madeleine Perry. She was 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's definitely up there in one of her things to do bucket list of events to look to win. Yeah, career won't be complete until she's gone back and won eight world championships and at least one Irish Open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, but I mean, thrown all week, like even when she sort of, Look like in the final, I thought Amanda did a good job of coming back in that third game, getting back into the match, and then just came out firing again in the in the fourth. Yeah. Um, I know they were talking in commentary about the fact that she maybe looked a little bit tired. I didn't necessarily sense that. I think she's got a sort of style of play that she can, like I say, she's got so much variety. She can change the pace. She can play fast. She can play slow. So. Even when she does look like she's had a few tough rallies, she just slows it down for a few and recovers and then goes again. Speaking of, you know, there was a, a thing in um, uh, on, on social. I think squash levels had posted something to say, you know, told you so. They they had predicted that Trebini would win. So uh, and somebody commented underneath says, "Oh, that's that's nonsense." You know, had Amanda won the fourth, it was it was hers in the fifth. All good. Which I'm not to say it's not going, but it was just interesting that. Squash levels have posted that they had predicted the win. Well, that's like that's like these uh, you know March Madness NCAA basketball coming up right here this week, um, this weekend, and they have um, all these. It's all data, right? It's all data driven, and and so they have all these percentages. So percentage to make the final four, a team's percentage to make the final four, a team's percentage to make the to win the whole thing, and like of course the number one seeds have the highest percentage. It's like, you know, it's like the people put so much effort and emphasis into this data. And it's like, well, I think the seedings are based on data and what that team <laughs> did. And so of course the percentages are going to pretty much match up with that. Um, and every time. Yeah. I don't it's know. Just, you, you guys probably don't pick brackets. Eh? I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. Yeah. You know, the brackets like we pick for fantasy squash. Oh. I know what you're talking that, that about. Come, that comes I'm from NCAA that. March Madness, Arthur. Oh, March Madness. We're in March. It's, <laughs> We're in it's, March. It's, it's, it's the madness begins on, <laughs> the, the madness begins this weekend. Oh, that's, that's mad. Ask college basketball, Arthur. 
College. St. Sacker. Anyway, what do we think of the men's tournament? Kicks off today. Um, we spoke about it a little bit in our episode with Johnny Williams last week. Um, we talked about Farag's absurdly difficult draw. Um, there's been a couple of changes. James Wilstrop is uh, no longer playing. Uh, I think um, Salazar is also out, so there's been a few little minor reshuffles. But any any new thoughts on how it's going to play out? Is that an invitation to change our <laughs> pick for the win? <laughs> I'm happy to accept that. I mean, I've already got one right, so I've got nothing to fear here. Hey, okay, easy, Mister. Oh, look, percentages. You got your information from squash levels. <laughs> oh no, it's like Chris said. Just if you're not sure, just pick the number one seed. Although, in fairness for the men, I've gone with the number two seed. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, that's that's what I consider a bold prediction. A bold yeah. prediction. Yeah, that's fair. Going for Shabagi. <laughs> Mister Shabagi. Yeah, I'm sticking with Marwan Al Shabagi. I'll stay with Farag. I feel like if you, I feel like if you change your pick and then your pick wins, that's way worse than just <laughs> losing on your original pick. So I can't live with myself if I do that. Um, but he does. I mean, yeah, I looked at it again this morning, and yeah, to to play Abulgar to Asal to potentially Dasuki is a is a task. Um, yeah, I feel like the kind of few of the matches that uh, I highlighted were, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if Moman and Gawad get through. And I think obviously Paul and Marwan's uh, a pretty good one. If, if they get through as well, um, fun little first round here with uh, the French matchup, the, the, the young and the old uh, Goche versus Cruin. Yeah. That was kind of one of the first round matchups I was hoping to see. Yeah. Coming up and, Couple of hours, I think. Yeah. Who's your money on? I think oh. I will back go to the experience, but um, certainly a test victor has been playing really well. One of a few of those um, challenger events in France, so not going to be easy. Yeah, I'm going to go with you, Stu. GG. You see any other uh, big upsets in the draw? Um, well, now's, the, now's the time to make some crazy takes, guys. I'm going to stay, continue playing it safe. Play the percentages, Chris. Okay, I'm going to take. I'm going to take one. I'm going to take Mazin Hesham to get through um, to to play Muhammad. It's going to be my one. So he would have to be Joel. Uh, Joel, Joel Macon. Joel Macon. Okay. Well, we'll find out in a few days, that's for sure. Yeah, that is for sure. Okay, guys, moving on. Uh, we're delighted to welcome onto the show Salma Hani, who's fresh off the back of a fantastic week at the Black Ball Open where she made the semis. Salma, thanks a million for joining us. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, I'm very good. How are you guys doing? Hanging in. <laughs> we're good. We just had a full week of squash watching, so we're ready for another week. Yeah. Men's just started today, right? Yeah. yeah, some good ones underway. Yeah, good. So, Sammy, you had a great week last week. First of all, congratulations. Um, going into the week, I'm sure you felt great going in. 
did you expect to make semis or go further? What was your goals going in? And how would you sort of reflect on the week that you've had? Uh, you want honesty here? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Always. 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 Yeah, yeah. Don't lie to us. Don't lie to yeah. us, Alma. No filter. <laughs> well, well um, I didn't really feel that great before the event, to be honest, um, which is, you know, maybe surprising for everyone to hear that. Um, yeah, I... Um, I was in Florida for five weeks before the event and obviously I put a lot of hard work in and uh, did a lot of stuff with whale and uh, my physical trainer there, Zach, Zach Brooks. And um, so, yeah, I arrived in Egypt five days before the, before the tournament and, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't like I had a few hits and wasn't really playing how I, how I wanted to play which is okay, you know, no, nobody plays perfect before a tournament, I think. So um, a day before the tournament, I wasn't really that excited for the tournament and I wasn't expecting anything. No, I did not expect to do the same as, but um, I had a chat with my coach, Whale, and um, yeah, it was really a good chat, to be honest, but uh, he just told me, you know, it's, sometimes it's okay not to be okay. And that made me feel okay, you know? Um, so, uh, so yeah, I was, I wasn't feeling great, which is, you know, it, it was a new thing to me. Like I wasn't feeling that excited for a tournament. So, um, but I kind of like, you know, when I talked to my coach, I, I was, yeah, as I told you, I was okay, not being okay. And I felt that it's normal to sometimes not feel okay. I think all the athletes go through you know, some down phases, which is still okay. It's normal to feel that. And that made me, that made me want to, you know, embrace it and not, not want to hide it and not want to, you know, feel bad about it. And made me believe that, you know, I still can perform and do what I got to do, even if I'm not feeling great, which is exactly what happened in the, in the, when I started the tournament, you know, I just put all my focus on, all what I've done the, the past five weeks and the work that I've put in and, and, you know, just trusted what I did. Didn't really think about the results or, um, you know, winning. Obviously I had a very tough first round playing Nela. Uh, Nela has been, you know, playing great. And um, so I, yeah, it was, it was a tough first round and uh, to, sh- to come up with this performance, it was, it was good, but, didn't really see it that way, but I, as I told you, I just put all my focus on that training that I did and I trusted it and didn't, didn't want to distract myself with the, with the result much. And I felt, I started to feel great after a day by day by day. And uh, yeah, I feel great now. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's There's something in that though, right? Like there, there is, these certain performances that like you, you could be a little bit sick, a little bit injured, or just like, like you were saying, like just really not feeling excited or just feeling, you know, not up to the task. And then for whatever reason, you can sometimes go into hyper focus mode and and produce some of the best squash. Um, Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's normal, you know, to turn up in every event feeling excited and ready and fresh and all of this. Um, and yeah, you just, sometimes just in a second, it just clicks and you feel, okay, I'm, I feel like I want to, I'm excited to play now, you know? 
I'm back. But, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you don't know what what triggers that or when it's going to happen. It just, you know, it just happens and you got to, you know, hold on to it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I came, I came to that, you know, believe that it's okay not to be okay. And you can still, and you still, you can still perform and do your job, even if you're not okay. Sounds like just by accepting that you weren't okay and that was okay not to be okay. <laughs> you were okay in the end and you ended up playing like you just kind of like maybe yeah. the weight of the world <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah. played okay it, it sounds like just from listening to your talk and and your body language that you're that you're kind of the weight of the world or the, the weight that you were carrying on your shoulders just kind of lifted off a little bit or enough for you to express yourself when you went out there yes i just accepted i i first i thought if i'm not feeling great if i'm not feeling excited that means i'm gonna play very bad squash this week and and uh, I'm going to lose. And, you know, I like, I didn't know that I can not feel great and still play some good squash. So, yeah, I just accepted how I, how I was feeling and, um, and talked about it, which really helped. Um, before, I wouldn't really talk about it because I would feel that this is maybe would make it worse talking it out loud. But it actually helped, you know, embracing what I'm feeling. It um it, it definitely helped. Strong message there. Yeah. Throughout the week, you looked extremely focused. I thought right from the first round, I watched your first match against Nela and also your quarterfinal and semifinal against Olivia and Amanda. And you just looked like you were almost in the zone the whole time. Is that how it felt to you? Or was that sort of a bit of a struggle to maintain that focus? Uh, no, it was, um, yeah, obviously it wasn't hard to, you know, back it up every day. Um, I was I was so happy with my performance against Nela. Uh, I knew I had to be very aggressive and very focused from the first point. And uh, I just really put all my focus on, you know, the the plan and being on court and enjoying my time, you know, just trusting what I did. And, and I, you know, went on court with a with the, you know, with the idea of, I just want to test what I, what I did. And that, that took a lot of pressure out of me. I just, you know, I just thought, okay, let's, I put in the work, let's see how, where it's going to get me. And, uh, and I didn't, I didn't focus on the, on the result much. Um, I played Nela in the first round in, in my, this is obviously my home club as well. That, that puts a little bit of pressure on me everyone's there, you know, supporting me. But um, the last two events in the club, I, I got, I, I lost in the first round because I would, um, obviously I lost to good players, of course, uh, but uh, but still it, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself playing in the in my home club. But um, going into that event, you know, I just thought, you know, nothing worse is going to happen. So it's okay. Nothing worse is going to happen. Like I lost two times in the first round anyway. Um, so yeah, I, um, obviously the first, the first match was really good and I was so happy with my performance that made me feel great. And, um, and then I felt that every day and then I felt it, I felt to, I felt going into the third round, I was playing Rowan, Rowan Larabi. And, um, I just felt that every round made me sharper for the next one. And, um, it was just, and I also saw it as a, a challenge, you know, every, every match I, I, like I had a, 
I played obviously really tough players and every match had its own diff, you know, different kind of pressure. You know, playing Rowan Larby, for example, she just, you know, she just finished juniors and she's very hungry and obviously a very great player. So uh, that I kind of dealt with a different kind of pressure, but I just took that as a, a different challenge. And I, I, I just really trusted what I did and I knew that I put in the work that would make me overcome whatever any player throws at me. And um, yeah, this is, this is really how I kept myself in the zone and not letting any, any thoughts or anything distract me from how I want to think on court or how I want to, you know, then just, you know, it's just, it's always you against your mind and against your thoughts. And I think I did pretty well to just block any negative thoughts that would distract how I want to be in court or how I want to play on court. And um, yeah, I think this is how I did it. Obviously with Olivia as well, it was another kind of pressure because obviously it was a shot to be in the semifinals for the first time. And also playing with a close friend was really, really hard. Olivia is, I would say that my closest friend. Um, so to be, to be able to come up, you know, with this aggression uh, throughout the whole match um, and, you know, blocking all the thoughts of, you know, it's a shot, it's a, I might, I might be in the semifinals for the first time. I did not, like, I totally succeeded into blocking these thoughts because I was just so focused on the, you know, the, what I need to do um, and just focused on my game and myself and the work that I put in. And I think that that worked, this is how it worked. So, yeah. And do you, do you credit a lot of that to just being, you know, on the tour for quite a while now, right? Like, uh, you, you know, you've, so is that experience that's, did you make some mistakes when you were younger, like looking, looking oh. ahead at, at matches and saying, Oh, this is my big shot. And. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I did yeah. that so many times, <laughs> so many times. Uh, I wouldn't say just in juniors. Maybe yeah. I did last year as well. Maybe I did last tournament. Um, and yeah, I think these kind of things are the, the hardest to learn. Uh, you know, you just have to learn it the very hard way. You have to lose a lot and, and uh, it's just tough to learn and come up with this, you know, when, you know, to, to come, like your mind to get used how to deal in these situations, like the, to become really a habit. It just doesn't come by, it comes by time and practice and, um, and hard and hard losses, of course. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad it's, uh, it's, <laughs> It's paying off the, the 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 hard days paid off you know and and the losses and the and the lessons of course um so yeah that was that was good and you mentioned a few times just your work with whale um and in particular the last five weeks and obviously on the back of the the last number of years yeah and you were trusting yourself the work that you did and and it obviously it's it's paid off you must feel very confident in the work that you've been doing in, in the most recent period of time. And that would obviously bring some level of confidence with the work that you're going to do in the next period of time before the next event. Yeah. So um, me, yeah, me and Wael uh, have a, you know, the good thing as well is that we have a long-term plan. So we weren't really training only for just event for this event, the black ball open. So that also, you know, it takes a lot of pressure when you know that you don't have 
uh, put in like before the mistake would be I would put in the work and I would you know just expecting myself to deliver right away and rushing the results but now you know I know that I'm putting in the work and that I'm going back to put in more work no matter what the result is like it's not gonna like if I if I had win this tournament doesn't mean that I was gonna stop training or like you know not continue continue what I'm doing so that took a lot of pressure out of me that I know I'm going to continue what I'm doing no matter what it's not only about this event it's just a stop it's just a transit and then I'm going back to continue what I'm doing because we have a long-term plan we have so the goal is not this tournament it's way bigger than that and obviously you know I, I just finished the tournament and I'm flying in two days to Florida to continue what I'm doing we have um, a four weeks block before the next event which is in Manchester so I thought, you know, it's a, it's a good chance and a good patch of time to put in some work as well before the next tournament. Um, so yeah, this is um, this is how we, me and and Will and obviously the rest of the team think and plan for the for the next period. And and so you you also recently made made a move from alexandria to cairo and are working with some new people there so that that's all part of the the team as well and and obviously happy happy with that yeah so i um my family my whole family is in in alexandria and i also finished my university in alexandria um and i moved to cairo in i'd say 2018 um when i started playing for black ball and um, I thought it's uh, it's the right step for for training, and obviously everything is much better in Cairo. Um, so yeah, I I play Westergani obviously in my club in Black Ball, and I work and my trainer here is Mohamed um, El as well. He's a you know the the team here is also is is great, and uh, we all connect with each other. My team here and my team in Florida, obviously, well is the is um you know just managing every everything from uh from florida um um yeah and uh so yeah i, I play with sergani and i train with uh, my my trainer here in cairo and uh and then i a year later after i moved into cairo i thought i you know wanna i want i want i, f- I felt like a i felt like i want to you know, go to the next level. And that's when I uh, reached to well in 2019. Um, and it has been great really having well by my corner, you know, he was a top 10 player. He has a lot of experience as a player and as a coach. And obviously uh, he's a great, great, you know, bonus to me to have him by my side. Um, so yeah, and I've been loving, all, loving it, you know, living in Cairo or in Florida as well. Um, and my trainer. Yeah, how nice is South Florida? It's so nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so nice. You know, the weather all all year is really nice. So, um, yeah, I always love it when I go there. My trainer, also Zach Brooks in Florida, has been putting a lot of work there with me. So yeah, I feel that I have a great team in Cairo or in Florida, and feels good. Nice. And I've got a got a shout out Sergani, uh, Dick, my my Dickinson College guy. Just one of my yeah. first big recruit, big legends. Time. Proud proud of that guy for getting through. He's an amazing <laughs> guy, to be honest. Um, 
He's he's young, how but uh, like how bad the, do you how bad do you chop him up? We do we do have some <laughs> hard battles, you know. <laughs> you can you can say it. you can say it on air. It's okay. Yeah, but I, but I, yeah, he always goes to five to five games setter. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's great, you know. Um, the amount of commitment and his passion for the work he does is just really I've I've never seen it before. Um, he just you know takes takes care of his players and he's very passionate and he gives it all to to all his players to be honest not just me i know that i give him a lot of hard time and he deals with a lot of things with me and um yeah i just really appreciate him very much and i feel so lucky to have him in my team um yeah he's he's a really great guy amazing he he owes it back I, I I had to look after him a few times too. You can tell him I said that. <laughs> so Salma, would you said you play in Manchester next? Um, what do you think that you still need to work on? What's what's the plan for the next four weeks with Well down in Florida? Do you have any idea of what you're going to be spending time on? Um, so we have been, you know, focusing a lot on my movement and, and on court. You know, fixing some some stuff. I don't think uh, it still need a lot of work. You know, nothing nothing can be fixed in in one month or two. Sometimes, you know, if like changing a habit really takes time. So I just need. I think we're gonna still work on my movement on court and uh, make sure that the new movement becomes the habit of how I move on court, which I know it takes time. It takes a lot of work. So we're going to continue um, working on that. Also with my trainer, you know, been working on my my speed and uh, my endurance on court. And I think that really showed in the last tournament. I think we we will continue doing the same thing. Um, yeah, I think this is the plan for the next four weeks. I think that, that really showed right from the start in the matches you played in black ball because I remember the first time I saw you play was when you beat um, Laura Mastaro at the Tournament of Champions a few years ago. Yeah. And I think at the time that was quite a big breakthrough win for you at the time. I think it was the first time you'd made a quarterfinal of a platinum event and it was generally considered a pretty big upset. I, think I remember being in the crowd and everyone was fairly shocked after that match. And there was no doubt about your talent and your shot-making ability. But like you say, the, the biggest change I see in those two years since then is your your fitness and your athleticism and your movement specifically. You just seem to, to be floating around the court much more smoothly and you're getting in better positions to hit the ball. Um, so yeah. I think uh, that the game, you know, has become really physical and way faster. The women's game has become really fast. And uh, I think my game before didn't really depend on that at all. I would depend more on my shots, you know, and um, my tactics, but now I gotta, I gotta have the physical side as well. So I can, you know, can implement that side of my game, you know, the shots and the taxes and stuff. But if, um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is what we're working on. Cause I don't think my, my game wasn't really that fast before, but now I gotta have both so I can enjoy or like a, or now I can, you know, get the the chance to play the game that I love. You know, I have to to have the the physical base first, so I can you know have the chance 
to play all the shots that I like and, uh, and, you know, implement the tactics that I have. So, uh, yeah, I just had, I had to adapt to the, where the game is going now, you know, no, no, no easy first rounds anymore. And uh, you just have from the first match and first point, you have to be firing and um, gotta, you know, be ready for, um, for a tough battle. And uh, that, yeah, that's, um, it's a lot of work on the physical side. And I just make sure that I, um, I have that in, uh, in my back. You could see that in the first match against Nayla. She's obviously known as one of the more physical players on the tour and she's had some great battles recently, thinking specifically of her match with Hanya in the last black ball open. And you were just able to match her physically and then also then allow your your shot quality to to shine. And essentially that was the biggest difference, I thought, because she, she couldn't impose that physical nature on you because of your movement and and you were also more than happy to have longer rallies with her when you had to. Yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, f- I think that it is squash at the end of the day. It's not a, it's not a running sport. But it's a shame for have- shame for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you have to have that physical ability to accept those times where you have to run. But that doesn't mean if. If I'm if I became the fittest person on tour, that doesn't mean that I just want to play a physical game. It's just a tool. It just I just you know, it's just a tool I know that I have that I can use anytime I I need it. I need to use it, but I don't really have to switch my game into a physical game. But now you just have to have this tool in in your back so you can actually enjoy playing squash and do whatever you want. So yeah, this is exactly what's the case is that I, I still played my game, my, my accurate game, but also when the, when, when there were rallies that I, okay, now this is a tough rally. This is a long rally. We need to, I need to dig deep or run a lot. That's okay. I know I have this tool for this, you know, time in the match. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, Sama, it's been great to have you on. Thanks for coming on. We wish you the very best of luck uh, in the next four week block and the tournaments. And uh, tell Whale, I said hello. <laughs> okay, I will. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was a really fun chat. Awesome. Thank you, Salma. Thank you. Cheers, Enjoy Salma. your weekend. Yeah, you, you too. too. Cheers. Bye. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap. Um, if you like what you hear, check us out on social, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, yeah, happy days. Cheers. I miss squash.